We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. This is where Chicago goes to talk Bears. Sports Radio 670 The Score. Chicago's home for Bears fans. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Score! Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, and always live on the free Odyssey app, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Stay warm right here inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'm David Haw, along with Bruce Levine, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Sports Studios, talking baseball between 9 and 11 o'clock as we do each and every Saturday morning, 52 weeks a year, flipping down the hot stove today and hoping Bruce doesn't burn the toast. Good morning, Bruce. How are you? Wow, a cheap shot to begin this show. <laughs> All in love, Bruce. I'm, I know love. you're ready. I know you're ready for a, a big show today, and we do have a lot of fun coming your way. Uh, Terry Francona, the American League Manager of the Year, joining us at the bottom of this hour, and Dustin Kelly, the Cubs' new hitting coach, joining us at the top of the 10 o'clock hour. Your calls are always paramount here and invited because you drive the show at 312 312- Six four four six seven six seven. David, it was awards week. It was a week with uh, tenders and non-tenders. Uh, it's going to be an interesting ride between here and the winter meetings that begin uh, two weeks from Monday. So where would you like to begin today? It's a fun time of year to begin to talk about what's next, to kind of look ahead. Everybody's making a holiday gift list. I think that's fun for fans to do for their favorite teams, too, in town. Also, when we look at the awards, Bruce, I wonder what do fans think, who do fans think will be the next Chicago player on either side of town to win a postseason award? Dylan Cease was the runner-up to Justin Verlander in the Cy Young. Came didn't win it. Who will be the next Cubs or White Sox player to win a postseason award? Let us know, 312-644-6767. Bruce, let's start with the news of the day, the most recent development Yesterday was the deadline. We heard a lot of, saw a lot of teams non-tendering uh, players, and I think on either side of town there, were, there was a headline. Uh, the Cubs decided not to, uh, among other decisions, Braylon Marquez, once their number one prospect, was non-tendered, and the White Sox, Adam Engel, 
somebody who has served the team well, a defensive outfielder, was non-tendered. Which of those two was the biggest surprise to you, or maybe you saw both of them coming? You know, uh, let's start with Angle because, uh, I mean, he has been a terrific defensive player for the White Sox during his career. We remember going back two or three years, the great, even longer than that, four years, great catches over the fence, uh, reminded a lot of uh, old-timers, not me, David, but a lot of other old-timers of, of uh, Jim Landis and Mike Hirschberger back in the White Sox days, uh, jumping up the 415-foot sign in center field and jumping over the fence and making great catches. Engel pretty much put his signature on that as one of the top defensive center fielders in the game before uh, Robert uh, came. It was a little clunky after that, but unfortunately last year, David, he's going to be remembered for two gaffes that will go down infamously in White Sox history. One was uh, with two outs in the ninth inning against Baltimore, dropping a fly ball in foul territory, and uh, the next guy up hits a home run to uh, actually win the game. That was a devastating loss, probably the most devastating loss the White Sox had last year. And then the infamous triple play, where two runners, not one, but two White Sox runners, did not tag up on a fly ball. Uh, those were those were unfortunately something that Adam had to wear. And like a man and like the guy that he is, he stood up at his locker that night, that day afterwards, and the next day, and answered question after question about both incidents. And uh, I, I will always admire him for being the stand-up guy. But uh, really, it wasn't the kind of year, you know, hitting in the low 200s that uh, he expected. And injuries continued to be a problem for Adam, a lot of hamstring issues. Let me ask you a question, though, before we move on to uh, Marquez. So not to be devil's advocate, but I think talking this through, you've got a new manager in Pedro Grafal who talked on the day he was introduced, like uh, the next manager of the White Sox, you, you want to hear talk. Stress defense, stress fundamentals, the little things. Now, aside from the two examples, which are pretty glaring, yes, but Adam Engel is a very good defensive outfielder. Adam Engel is a very good, fast base runner, Bruce. So here we are in the midst of the White Sox pivoting in a direction toward defense and base running and improving those fundamentals, deciding not to invest in a guy who is very good at both. Isn't that a little bit of a contradiction? It is, but uh, I think the White Sox are planning to have a better outfield mix. I believe they will sign or trade for one. I believe uh, Colas will come up and vie for the right field spot. Uh, again, uh, I, I think, you know, in his statement, uh, Vice President and General Manager Rick Hahn said that uh, he would be interested in looking at both uh, Engel and Danny Mendick, who actually did a fantastic job of replacing Tim Anderson the first time that Anderson got hurt earlier in the year. And then, unfortunately, he blew out his knee and he was gone for the year um, in Mendix. So uh, I, I think there's a possibility they'll be back with the White Sox. It's just a roster situation right now where they, they had to roll the dice. And uh, injured players, you saw 80 players that were non-tendered, many of them with history of injury. And later yep. on, we'll talk about one who uh, was an MVP and uh, actually um, hasn't been able to hit 200 since. 
Well, let's look at the Cubs before we get there, Bruce, because I think Braylon Marquez is somebody whose name has always resonated with Cub fans paying attention recently. But since 2019, he's pitched two-thirds of an inning because of arm issues, because of injuries. And when you look at their decisions to sign contracts or offer them to Rowan Wick and Adrian Sampson and non-tender Braylon Marquez, boy, who saw that coming a year or so ago? That would never have been the case to say out loud or to even consider what went wrong with Braylon Marquez and Bruce. Could he end up back in, with the Cubs organization if nobody wants to take a chance on his checkered history in terms of health? I, I don't know. Uh, you know, as you pointed out so well, David, uh, he hasn't been able to pitch. He made his major league debut in 2020, if you want to count that season. Uh, he came up at the end of the year and uh, and threw an inning. But um, <clears throat> this was, David, going back to the 2018-19 year, the number one prospect in the Cubs organization. A huge left-handed arm, a guy that could really bring it 99, 100 miles an hour. And then, unfortunately, elbow and now shoulder problems. Uh make him a, uh, a non-tender. So it's, it's shocking what can happen, you know, in a year or so's time. But uh, it, as you look at the St. Louis Cardinals and Alex Reyes, uh, who was a, a stalwart in their bullpen and a guy that threw 100 miles an hour, he was also non-tendered. And it's all about injury in, in both cases. Great points. And I think that also helps explain the biggest name on the non-tender list. We'll get into this in more depth later. Bruce, but Cody Bellinger, the guy that you were referencing with the Dodgers, is on the open market. I think that's an intriguing name and possibility to consider, especially for the Cubs, but a lot of other teams will be involved. The other name that stood out to me, Bruce, when you look at the, the, the I guess you see a lot of players, as Marquez indicates and others, that whose potential was never realized. When Aristides Aquino came up with the Cincinnati Reds, I looked at him and the tear that he went on from a power hitting standpoint, he looked like a young George Foster, which will a name that only people of a certain age will remember, but he was hitting home runs. He was hitting in the gap and he looked like a, a guy that you wanted to keep. And now he's on the open market. What happened there? And what might, would that be a, a name? Would that be a guy that either the Cubs or White Sox might show any interest in? If I'm believe this to be true. He hit seven home runs in his first 10 games, something, some enormous amount of, and then after that, it's just like not a great outfielder, not making much contacts, a lot of swing and miss. So, uh, you know, his star rose and dropped rather quickly. Um, <clears throat> I, I would just say that, um, you know, some of these guys will be looked at by the Cubs and the White Sox. I think Brian Anderson is a really interesting player from mm. the uh, from the Miami Marlins. He was actually their their number one player going back about four years ago, and uh, again uh, injuries have uh, hurt him, not being able to hit in recent years. So uh, I, I think the White Sox and, and Cubs will will visit some of these guys. I, I think uh, you know um, we're talking about some some players that can that have had big years before, but, uh, you know, one of the great young catchers uh, coming up with Philadelphia and then with San Diego was Jorge Alfaro, who was also on that list. So we know both teams need catchers. We don't know if Alfaro will be the guy, but uh, there, there's some intriguing names out there for sure. We're going to get to your phone calls, 312-644-6767. A couple other things we want to get to, Bruce. 
Ethan Katz spoke this week after the Dylan Cease um, runner-up award. I guess he, he finished second to Justin Verlander. Great season for Dylan Cease and Ethan Katz was uh, – he, he talked about what Cease accomplished and what the White Sox pitching uh, staff looks like going into this offseason. A couple of things stood out to me. Curious what you thought. Ronaldo Lopez wants to be a closer, going to stay in the bullpen. Garrett Crochet not ready yet to become a starter. They want to watch his innings. I kind of expected both those things, and the, both those things are, are encouraging. What stood out to me was Michael Kopech not being ready yet because of a knee, and they're going to monitor him. I don't know what to re, how to react to that except for a very familiar sense of, oh, boy, here we go again. Yeah, rehab is something that Kopech talked about from – pretty much early in the year when he first hurt his knee, right, David? Um, And uh, he said, well, I'm just going to have to pitch this way until the season's over with. And, you know, they alluded to uh, rehab on the knee. I don't know if they mentioned surgery or not, but um, he certainly uh, is such an important pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, And Katz talked about him. uh, I, I, I was impressed really, David, with uh, how Kopech was able to pitch, even though uh, eventually he had a go on the IL and was out for the year. But I I was really impressed by the way that he really didn't have 97, 99 uh, in his repertoire after hurting his knee. And he really showed a great slider, a lot of composure, able to get through five or six innings mostly uh, without his uh, dominating fastball. So from that perspective, David, I think if he gets his knee under him and he gets some velocity back, I'm impressed. I think he's going to be a big part of the team. There's a lot of ifs in there right now. There are a lot of ifs. I think there always are when it comes to Michael Kopech. Ethan Katz also referenced the fact that Sox um, need a starting pitcher. I Everybody understands that. I think they might need two, Bruce, depending on what happens with Johnny Cueto, uh, somebody they're still talking to. He's a free agent. And when you talk about adding a new guy to the mix in the starting rotation, or when you talk about retaining Johnny Cueto and bringing him back, um, what thoughts do you have on, on those two possibilities? And where are you with wanting to bring Cueto back at the right price? Well, my thoughts go to the development of pitchers. And uh, I think the White Sox have done a, a very good job of developing pitchers, especially pitchers that they acquired. Uh, and Kopech go along with Kopech, who they drafted. But, you know, uh, looking at Cease being the, the second best pitcher in the American League this year, uh, looking at uh, Giolito and uh, Lopez from trades that they developed uh, uh, at the major league and the minor league level, looking at Dunning, who they used to get Lance Lynn, uh, they did a phenomenal job of making some great trades for young pitchers and developing them and then using them for deals as well um you know uh, the the problem is i think the the cupboard is a little bare when it comes to pitching right now for the chicago white Sox in the minor leagues and it happens it happens to a lot of teams you know when you have your your player your young pitchers develop and they're still there for the most part i mean you have you have giolito for another uh, year after this one um lynn is going to leave he's not a young pitcher Kopech's under contract control for a while. Uh, the reason I asked, Lop- uh, I asked uh, uh, Ethan Katz about Lopez is Lopez, uh, going back three years ago, 
I believe had 19 quality starts and led the team in innings pitch. He, he threw about 190, close to 200 innings. So he was a workhorse of the team uh, in two, 2019, I believe. Um, and uh, he's still a young pitcher. So that's why I was curious. Hey, he's gotten it together in the bullpen. Why not make him a starter again? It was a good question. I just think that I like the idea of him wanting the ball in the ninth inning and kind of closing things down. I like that mentality. You can see the confidence with which he throws now, and I think he, that's evident to guys who coach him like Ethan Katz. Okay, Bruce, last note before we get to the phone calls. A couple ex-Cubs now, I guess, and it really hurts to refer to Wilson Contreras as an ex-Cub because I still think he should be in the fold, but he is a free agent. And there was a report in the New York Post linking him to the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals are aggressively pursuing Wilson Contreras, according to our guy, John Heyman. Also, Anthony Rizzo, flirted with by the Houston Astros, went to his agent. Maybe that was a, a plant, but the New York Yankees struck a deal with the left-handed hitting first baseman. He will return to New York, and I think that's a good decision with that short porch for Anthony Rizzo. Without the shift, is going to be a very dangerous hitter next year. Thoughts on Contreras and Rizzo? Let's start with Rizzo. If you listen to Aaron Judge and his MVP acceptance speech uh, after getting the award this week, the first name he mentioned as a teammate was Anthony Rizzo. Yep. Okay, so you, you see the impact that he's had there in a brief period of time. It was only a year and a couple, a couple months that he's been there, yet he's an important Yankee. So... Uh, for them signing him to a, a two-year extension for uh, what turned out to be, David, if he would have taken the deal, the Cubs had a three-year, $60 million deal on the on the, their offered for him before that trade was made in 2021. Uh, he would have gotten the same amount of money, a little bit more, by having uh, just accepted that. But as fate has it, He's turned into an important Yankee, and uh, that's that's exactly where it's at. So I guess uh, we go to the phone lines after this, David. Yeah, the score listener line was powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Let's go to Mike and Glencoe. Mike, welcome inside the clubhouse. Good morning, fellas, and I, I think you really hit the nail on the head with the White Sox, uh, Bruce and David. But I think the issue is more than uh, their inability to, to or whether they can develop pitchers it's they are unable to draft position players or pitchers, period. We're in a tremendous drought uh, of effective drafting. We can sign international players with some real skill, but now we're going to be in a position this winter where since we no longer have the ability to offer trade uh, uh, chips uh, through our AA or AAA level, we're going to have to trade somebody like Andrew Vaughn for pitching. And I think that's a, it, the, the failure of the Sox farm system, uh, the, the kids shortstop and single A notwithstanding, is really the, uh, a key source of where we are. And we couldn't make trades at midseason because we had nothing that anybody wanted. And right now we're, we're looking for, you're right, Bruce, two starters. We have, no, we have no minor leaguers coming up of any caliber. And I would point out that all the pitchers you named, uh, Chilito, Lopez, Dunning, who I like, all these guys were acquired by trade. None of them uh, we drafted. And, again, I'd like your comments on that because I think we, we hear so much about our fun, our wonderful player development. We don't hear a lot about our terrible player scouting and drafting. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the phone call. Bruce, the Sox are in a tough spot now because they haven't drafted 
and develop many frontline pitchers. Garrett Crochet looked like he was on that track before the injury. Um, other guys maybe yeah. are Kopech. the best. Yep. Yeah, Kopech was not drafted by the Sox, but he was brought over right. and acquired and developed. So I think that Mike's point is well taken. Yeah, I, I just think that, um, I mean, if you look back at uh, Hendricks being acquired by the Cubs and uh, Arietta being acquired by the Cubs, <clears throat> you have to give a team that acquires those players the de- development part of the equation, okay? Mm-hmm. So with the White Sox, you have to give them credit for developing these young pitchers that they acquired from Washington, part, part, Washington and Boston. Part, part of the equation is... You make trades, your scouts look at good young pitchers who aren't quite there yet, and they become an integral part of your team. And, and the, the, Cubs, the White Sox have been successful at doing that. I agree, you know, developing in your own system, it's been difficult. You know, Rodon stands out as probably the last one that was uh, That's a good starting one. pitcher. I, th- but, but, I mean, when you, when, when you, look, at, when you look at the runner-up for Cy Young Award, Okay, and you look at these other two guys. They were they were developed by the Chicago White Sox. Okay. See, I think you make a really good point, Bruce, because we are somewhat rigid in the way that we assign credit or blame. And the team that drafts a player once he becomes something like Dylan Cease, you always say, well, they they didn't draft him. And same with Michael Kopech. If he wins a Cy Young next year, it'll be like, well, you know, the Sox didn't draft him. Development is key, and I give the White Sox more credit for Dylan Cease's emergence than I do the Cubs for drafting him and knowing no, no what question. they had out of Vanderbilt. I mean, the Sox also had the, the, the smarts to trade for a guy like Cease and Aloy and Kopech. So I think that sometimes it depends on what you're looking to do. It depends on where you are as an organization. And, Bruce, I do find it interesting this before we get to a break, but the Cubs even, when they drafted all those positional players, they weren't developing pitching or drafting pitching. They were buying it. The White Sox seem to be one or the other. It almost seems like organizations are either or. We're going to be able to draft and develop positional players or we're going to be going to commit to pitching and develop all these pitchers like the Guardians do so well. So I, I wonder, you know, the best teams, do they, are they able to have a balance of both p- pitching uh, prospects and develop positional players? Well, we'll have the uh, great uh, fun of talking to American League Manager of the Year, Terry Tito Francona, coming up in our next segment, David. And, We'll talk about a guy who, in, a, in an organization that has just developed, developed, and developed their way to almost getting into the ALCS this year. I can't think of a better guy to ask about pitching than Terry Francona, the American League Manager of the Year. And he joins us next on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, 
the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Slavine and David Haw. Maley picks it up, throws him out. We'll head to the bottom of the 15th inning in Game 2. There is no score in Cleveland. And there's... Someone dressed as SpongeBob SquarePants because that's Oscar Gonzalez walk-up song. Here's Oscar Gonzalez. A swing and a high fly, deep off center field. It is gone. Hello, New York. Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. David Hall with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock talking baseball. Thank you to ESPN for that highlight of the Guardians. Tough for White Sox fans to hear, but great for our next guest, I'm sure, to savor. And that brings us to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And it is an honor and a privilege to welcome the American League Manager of the Year, Terry Francona, to The Score. Good morning, Terry. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing terrific here, David and Bruce. And I think that we appreciate your time. Congratulations on the honor. At this stage of your career, Terry, I, I just wonder, what does this mean to you when you were able to be honored the way you were the other night? I think the biggest thing is it allows me to brag about the people in our organization because that's what it really is. I mean, shoot, man. Without, I mean, we have the best coaches in the world, I believe. And I know a lot of other people feel the same way about their staffs, and they should. But our guys do such a great job. And then our players and, I mean, the medical people and the clubhouse guys. I mean, it's just we live it out every day. And so that's what really makes me proud. You know, uh, even going back to 1988 when I first met you and uh, you were a member of the – it was 86 when you were with the Cubs? 86. Right? 86. That was a long time ago, uh, Bruce. No wonder you can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were always about team, okay? And, and maybe it's cliche to, to talk about it too much, but it's the same thing with you as a manager. You know, you, you, you let coaches coach. You let players play. Uh, you keep a close eye on them. You make it a fun environment, but it's a – it's a very constructive environment. Tell us the difference between managing in 1999 when you were with the Phillies for the first time, a rookie manager, and, well, actually 97, and, and, and now managing players now. What is different? What is similar? Um, you know, what has changed for you as far as dealing with players? Well, there's probably a lot that's changed, Bruce. Shoot, one... I knew I was learning on the run. I mean, I was so young and, you know, I mean, we weren't very good. And and I was literally learning as I went. And I knew it. So there's going to be some hiccups and some bumps in the road. 
but also knew how I felt about treating players. And then I think as you, as you kind of get experience, just like as a player, you know, you kind of get gain more confidence. And then when you have a roster, like, you know, when you go to Boston, that's, that's kind of ready to win, but you know how you feel about the players, then it has a chance to get pretty special. And I think, I think not just in baseball, but in life, you know, people have changed over the last 20, 30 years. But that doesn't mean we ever sacrifice, you know, how we feel about the game of baseball. And I tried to explain that to our young guys this year. I'm like, hey, you're young, I'm old. Okay, good. That doesn't mean we're going to sacrifice the way we approach the game. And fortunately, I mean, they all were so good about buying in. and, And that made it fun and it made it really rewarding. I think it's fascinating, Terry, because you see what's going on in baseball, and the trend seems to be, well, the front offices are taking over, and the the intrusion, if you will, and that's my word, not yours, of all of the information, which is at every manager's disposal, and I think it's almost a responsibility to use that information, but you see a lot of front office intervention, if you will, and then you look at what's going on. You're the manager of the year in the American League. Buck Showalter's in the National League. Dusty Baker has a World Series ring now. So what is going on in baseball? Because while we see the value in front offices, you know, finding guys who are more compliant so they can work in the organization, yes, I respect that. But then you see guys like you succeeding uh, who are considered old-school managers. Well, I can't speak for other organizations just because I'm not there on a daily basis. But I live through ours, and this will be my, you know, my 11th year next year. And that's probably the reason I'm still managing. In fact, it is the reason I'm still managing because I, I appreciate the guys that I work with so much. I mean, I mean, they they know, and I'm talking about like Chris and Cherney and the baseball ops guys. They know that I want information so I can make good judgments and and good decisions. And, and knowing that you're dealing with people. And then they let me manage. And, and we have a really good, I would say great, relationship where, I mean, I mean, they know I care. And I know they care. And because of that, everybody's allowed to have an opinion, but they don't ever make me feel like they're looking over my shoulder or even close to that. They just, they, they kind of create a confidence where you can be who you are, and I appreciate that so much. One thing you've left out is, in baseball, you're either a leader or you're not, okay? And when it comes to managers, you better have that gene, Tito, or else you're going to get run over, especially in this era where so much is working against many managers from being successful and diminished in other organizations. As you say, not in yours, because uh, the Cleveland organization, even going back to Mark Shapiro's days, even going back to John Hart's days, well, now we're going back, you know, 35 years, uh, they've always worked hand-in-hand hand with their manager. And when they, when they picked you out and you picked them out, you'd already had experience working in that organization. So from that perspective, uh, talk about the fact that you are going to go to the Hall of Fame one day as a manager. Your winning percentage, I think, is fourth all time now as a, as a manager for managing as many games as you have. But talk about the leadership ability of a manager and being able to lead 
these young men these days. 17 rookies for the Cleveland Guardians in 2022. Yeah, you know, Bruce, what's, what's kind of cool about our game is there's a lot of different ways to do things. And everybody has their own way of what they think is right. Um, but I think, and you know, not every player has gone to an Ivy League school. But saying that, if you're not true to yourself, they can see right through it in a, in a second. So we just try to be really honest with the players. We try to ask them things that, although might be a big ask, it's not unfair. Like, you know, again, they're young. Okay, we'll be young. Enjoy being young. But these are the things in the game that we care about and we need to do. And, and we try to remind them without beating them over the head. But, again, I come back to how special that group was. When you told those guys something once, man, it got done. And, and that's rewarding, and that feels good because guys are going to make mistakes, but when they don't make them again, boy, that makes you feel good. And, Bruce, you've been around me long enough to know I don't want our guys going from point A to point B because I put a sign on. I want them to feel the freedom to play the game aggressively, you know, while being intelligent and, and not have to put on a lot of signs because that's how I think teams play the best. And our guys did a great job of that. Joined by Terry Francona, the American League Manager of the Year for the Cleveland Guardians here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score inside the clubhouse. David Hall, Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. Terry, okay, so in Chicago, I think nobody thought this season would unfold the way that it did. We don't have to get into the White Sox woes, but you finished 92-70. and 70. You won the division by 11 games. So, in your words, how did you do that? Well, you know, we, I remember it was, I think, September 4th, we came into Chicago, and we were four games over 500. And we, we ended up playing Chicago and Minnesota, and, and we, we, I think we won nine out of ten. And it just kind of, from there, it, was, it seemed like it was over. It, it, those things can change. You know, you don't want to start pounding your chest too much we had so many late inning wins and and again i give our guys credit but i don't know if you can always replicate that regardless of who your teams are so it, it would behoove us to to play with a lead a little bit more next year yeah. because but but i mean i give our guys credit because regardless of the frustration man they kept playing and they found ways to win Honestly, that series that you played, the White Sox, where you swept them, that you alluded to, um, it was devastating for a lot of people in Chicago. And by that, I mean the White Sox, as you pointed out to me in 2018 and 19, look out for the White Sox. Their talent is coming. They're going to be a good team. And, and sure enough, by 20, they're in the playoffs. But, Tito, when uh, your, your team did everything – in that series to win a game except games except hit home runs and you hit a few but it's single uh stolen base taking the extra base making great plays in the outfield uh doing everything defensively these guys all bought into playing the brand of ball they were capable our underline capable of playing for you i think that's why you won and uh i wonder you know if that series stood out to you i i know you have great respect for the, the White Sox organization. You've worked there for a long time. But just your thoughts about what went right there for you and 
kind of went wrong for the White Sox. You know, you're right, Bruce. I do have a lot of respect for the White Sox. I mean, shoot, Jerry Reinsdorf gave me my first job as a, as a minor league manager, and, and, and I'll never forget that, and I love him to death. But that doesn't mean you don't want to beat their brains out, because, and I'm sure they felt the same way about us. But, you know, from day one, you know, every day, we tell our guys in spring training, you know, everybody has a meeting the first day of spring, they're probably saying pretty similar things. What we try to do is, okay, not just the first day of spring training and give it lip service and check the box, but, okay, there's a reason we're talking about this. We need to live it out. And we talked about it every day. And our guys were so good about it. I said, hey, man, if we, you know, being in the major leagues is cool. That can't be our goal. Our goal has to be to be here and win. And and they bought in so well. And, you know, they were learning on the job. But while they were learning, they kept competing. And I don't think maybe people realize how hard that is to do. You know, when you're trying to get your gain your footing in our league, they kept competing. And, and you know, sometimes you're playing and you're thinking, man, am I going to get sent down if I don't get hits tonight? But they balanced that so well, and I was really proud of them for that. So I don't go back to 1986 with you, Terry, but I do remember 1992, your first job with the South Bend White Sox. And I do remember I was living there, and I think Mike Cameron was an outfielder. Mike Huff was on your team. And yep. you, worked, you worked your way up from that moment in that first year, and you, you were a baseball lifer. And I ask this in reference to Pedro Grafol, the new White Sox manager. He's a guy who has been a baseball lifer. He's waited a long time for this opportunity. From your perspective, I know he's a rival. I know that he's going to be now a peer. What can you tell uh, Sox fans in Chicago about Pedro Grafol and what to expect from him? And what do you expect from the White Sox manager? You know, I don't know Pedro very well. I've, I've, I remember him as a young player when he was in Double A, I believe, with the Twins, um, and I was managing in the Southern League. And I've seen him go from Seattle to Kansas City, and I know he has a very good reputation. Um, but you know what? I, I don't. You know, when guys get like Matt Matt Kataro, uh with, with the Royals now, you know, Q coached with us in Cleveland for a few years, and he was with Cashy in Tampa, and he's called me a couple times. And I told him, I said, Q, I said, you know, you're going to do things the way you want to do them. I said, and that's the beauty of our game. You know, everybody has to be true to themselves. As long as you stay true to yourself, you're going you're gonna to be okay. I mean, not every team can win, but if you start trying to be somebody else, that's when you run into problems. Tito, um, last one for you. And, again, uh, David and I appreciate this. And, uh, again, congratulations on a – Honor well-deserved and uh, a team that was awfully fun to watch this past year. Your favorite Michael Jordan story. I know you have a lot of them. Uh, I, know you can't <laughs> tell, I know you can't tell a lot of them. Um, but um, from, from your experience, I know you, you're still in touch with Michael, and you guys have been friends for 30 years now, believe it or not. Um, give, give us one of your favorite Michael Jordan stories. You know, I have, there's not a Michael Jordan story that isn't probably my favorite. And, and, the, and the reason I say that is I got a chance to see him with his guard down. And that's not easy for him to do. I get it because, you know, because of who he is and lived in that kind of that fishbowl more than anybody probably, in the, you know, in the world. But when you get on a bus in the Southern League and you're on a bus for 10 or 12 hours, nobody can get at you. 
I used to look back at him and I'd see him and he seemed so happy. And it finally dawned on me that nobody could get at him. So even though he's sitting on a bus in probably the middle of Georgia in four in the morning, he was either playing cards or Yahtzee or whatever. And he was happy as can be. And, and, and again, I saw him with his guard down and once he trusted you, you know, you were, you were, he trusted you and, and, and it was really cool. And I guess that's why to the, to this day, I still keep in touch with him. I, I don't try to bother him because I saw how he lived his life and how people tried to get at him. But when something funny happens or something, I'll get a text from him like five seconds later or the, or the other way around. I just enjoyed the heck out of him. And he was so good to us. He, he was so respectful of the game of baseball and, and for that, I appreciated it so much. You know, and Terry, the, before the let's go, I have to ask this. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So your, your connection to Chicago legends goes beyond Jordan. Theo Epstein is somebody, obviously, your relationship goes way back. You guys did a lot of great things together. Do you keep in touch with Theo? And what do you think of the job he's doing for Major League Baseball? Yeah, I do. I actually just had a text from him a couple of days ago. I remember when he came to the Cubs, uh, he and Jed, and, and people were asking me, because I had you know so much history with those guys. They said, what do you think? And I remember my answer was they're too smart and they're too hardworking not to win. And, well, they did, and unfortunately it was against us. But Theo is going to be not just good at what Did we lose Terry? I think we, we might have lost, lost Terry, Sean. Yeah, Terry Francona. Talking about Theo after talking about Jordan after talking about the Sox. That was a great uh, uh, way to catch up with uh, the American League Manager of the Year, Bruce. Just yeah, a real let's, class Let's act. see if we can get that last answer in from uh, Tito as uh, Sean uh, tries to uh, reconnect with him. Sean, we got him? Go ahead, Terry. Hey, Tito. Uh, yeah, you were, you, were, you were saying about um, – about Theo and uh, his competitiveness as well. You know what? He's just too smart and too driven not to be great at whatever he does. So whatever his next endeavor is, I mean, he took this job with MLB and he, he didn't have to, he jumped in with both feet. And, and, and I mean, that's the way he is. So wherever, whoever he's involved with, he's going to be really good at what he does. He just, like I said, he's too smart and he's too driven not to be great. Tito, uh, David and I appreciate your time. Uh, as friends of you, a friend of mine for a long time, appreciate it on a personal note as well. I hope you're physically feeling well and all those maladies are pretty much behind you. There's no tougher guy out there than Terry Francona. <laughs> uh, I will hopefully see you at the winter meetings in a couple weeks, and it should be a fun season with the White Sox and the Central Division, it always is. Take care. Have a great holidays. Bruce, you too. I'll see you in San Diego, okay? All right. Take care. All right. Thanks. See you guys. Thanks, Terry. Yep. Terry Francona, the American League Manager of the Year for the Cleveland Guardians. Great interview. We will react to that next. Maybe you can too. 312-644-6767. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com and always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. 
Welcome back. Tom Sports Radio 6-7, the score inside the clubhouse. David Hall, Bruce Levine. Bruce, Terry Francona, as you point out, you go back with him to 1986. And just curious, that was a great conversation, a lot of interesting stuff, and you can hear how genuine he is, and anybody who's been around him understands that. Uh, what was the origin of your relationship, and why have you guys been able to stay as good of friends as you have over the years? I, I wish I could say it's, uh, that I have a great personality, but you know better than that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think, uh, um, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of guys, you know, drift. I or think they... people are, I think, I think uh, and, and, you know, you give me a moment for myself, and I appreciate it as a, a teammate at the score and as a, a great partner on this show. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't brag about myself. Nobody gives a, you know, what about uh, why people respond to me, why, why some don't. I just think that building trust in any business, David, takes years, not months, not weeks. I think people want to have uh, established relationships in shorter periods of time now with managers, coaches, and players, and it, it, it just doesn't happen. You know, I mean, there's an occasionally a great friendly guy uh, like a Christopher Morrell that shows up on the scene and is everybody's friend right away, okay? Those guys are easy to get to know and be friends with. but. Uh, everyone else, it takes time, and I think that that's the measure. You you gain trust, and you gain uh, relationships with time. Quick story about Terry Francona, my own personal background. I mentioned 1992. He was the manager of the South Bend White Sox. I was in my first year, maybe even internship that summer, possibly uh, covering uh, working for the South Bend Tribune, and Carlton Fisk had a one-day rehab assignment with the South Bend White Sox. And I was assigned to go capture that day. And it was the greatest assignment for, for an intern or anybody just beginning in the business. And I went to the clubhouse over at old Kovaleski Stadium in downtown South Bend. And the manager was Terry Francona. And I can remember, um, uh, you know, my recollection was what, how I acted around Fisk, which was very shy and nervous. And my words were shaking and all that stuff. But I also remember a young manager uh, at the time, not being much more composed than I was is because it was Carlton Fisk in that clubhouse and his presence kind of carried the day. And that was a cool thing. And I always paid attention because Terry Francona made a strong impression that summer in South Bend on everybody he dealt with for being what you just heard, a genuine guy, everybody's buddy, and a guy that could relate to all kinds of people. Yeah, that's, that's a, a nice thing to remember. And it's a good story, David. And we'll continue our storyline here with the new hitting coach of the Chicago Cubs coming right The latest up here. one. The yeah, latest the, one. Dustin yeah. Kelly, the Chicago Cubs new hitting coach. He will join us on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.